Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. I'm going to read for you two verses of Scripture, then we're going to pray and listen to what God has to say to us this morning. In Luke chapter 22, I really hope that you still believe that God is alive. It's not Easter Sunday, but every Sunday we should be thinking about resurrection. The the church changed the date they gathered for their for their large weekly worship service from Saturday to Sunday because Jesus rose on Sunday. Uh, I want us to really believe that God is alive and that he can say something to you this morning. It's easy to think, oh, I wish so-and-so could have heard that, or man, that could have helped such and such, but I want you to believe God can speak to you this morning because I believe that he can with you. In Luke twenty-two thirty-one, the Bible says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, How Long Will You Be Sifted? Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Ghost. God, I pray that you would anoint me now to say the things that would honor you, that would glorify you. God, speak to us, encourage us, teach us what you would have us to know. Thank you for this time to be together, Lord. I pray that you'd give us ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How long will you be sifted? I'm going to talk to you a little bit about sifting this morning. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what God has to say about this subject. But I want you to know that if you have ever gone through something, this message is going to be for you. If you've never gone through anything, you are in one of two conditions, dead or in need of medical help or mental counseling. What what am I saying to you this morning? We all go through stuff. Am I right? We all go through stuff. I've been telling you for years that we are typically able to find ourselves in one of three places. We're either in a storm, just coming out of a storm, or getting ready to go into a storm, And that's why I caution people to watch a lot of TV preaching because a lot of what's happening on TV preaching is people begging for money or saying stuff that they think will get them money so they can pay to stay on TV. I would never send a dollar to somebody who has spent 29 minutes of a 30-minute TV show begging for money so they could stay on the air to beg for money. Okay, that, that, that's, not, that's not the purpose. And uh, all that I seem to hear when I do flash past that and only flash past it just to check see if a change has happened on tv preaching it's people talking about come to jesus and all your problems will go away send me twenty dollars and god's going to send you two hundred uh repent and everything in life's going to fall together none of that is found in the bible that's that's not the truth that's just people saying selling hope and selling hype to try to get more money. I'm not here to depress you this morning, but I'm here to tell you the truth. Life is tough. Six people. Life is difficult. If you you are consciously going through life, you understand there are troubles. Jesus said trouble. You're going to have trouble always. There's always going to be a struggle. There's always going to be a trial. If we understand these things, then we won't be caught off guard. Could, Could you imagine Now, I hate to use sports analogies too much because I know some of y'all aren't into sports that much, but if you were a defensive coordinator and I was the head coach and we were playing a team with a strong running game and you didn't prepare all week long for running and then we got blown out and they rushed for 500 yards on us and I looked at you on Monday morning in the tape room and I said, why weren't we ready for that? And you said, oh, well, I didn't know they were going to run the ball. If they've got the two best running backs in the league and their backup's backup is better than our front three, then you ought to be – if you know what your adversary is going to do, you ought to prepare for it. 
our book of the month, Peter. I love the Apostle Peter. So much we can learn from the Apostle Peter. He said in his, in his first book, in his first epistle, he said not to count it a strange thing concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. He didn't say which might try you. He said it is going to. There are going to be trials. Now, for some people, that, they could just throw their arms up and say, well, I can't win. Life is too hard. Or other people can say, hey, if I know which way you're coming at me, I know how to prepare for you. And I want us to be prepared. I want us to understand that life has these, these different trials. It's a process. It's a journey. And it's not all living on a mountain. Living on a mountain, the mountaintop experiences are great, but growth doesn't happen on the mountain. Growth happens in the valley. And the same God of the mountain is the God of the valley. And we shouldn't be so shallow in our Christianity that we can only praise God when everything's going right for us. One of the greatest testimonies I ever heard, we, we spent a lot of time on Wednesday night giving praise reports, giving testimony reports. One of the greatest praise reports I ever heard is a, is a man, thank God for getting fired. And I'm like, okay, that's different, but, you know, and I, I was waiting for, uh, you know, he was going to, but I got fired, but so-and-so, and I'm like, well, did you get a better job? Nope, just got fired this week. Did it release you? No, I have no idea. Uh, the Bible just says to give thanks to him and everything, so I'm just thanking him for getting, and I'm like, well, see, now that right there, that's maturity that most of us can't get to. That, that's maturity that, that, that says God knows what he's doing even when we don't. We got to learn how to know that it's not all uh, 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 skyrockets in flight and fireworks all the time so we can be prepared because the Bible says that we have these stories for our what? Examples. Keep that in mind when you read the Bible. Look at first on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says this. These things happen to them as examples for us. When you read stories about people in the Bible, you see what happened to them. Those are examples for us. They were written down to warn us who live at the end of the age. Now, I don't know when the world is going to end, and no one does. Jesus said no one knows the day or the hour, but we're closer to the end than they were 2,000 years ago when they were reading that. We're 2,000 years closer than they were, so certainly these things are written down for us that happened to them for our examples. And I want us to see some examples this morning because I believe these examples are designed to do three things. Say three. Three things these examples do for us. They warn us, they encourage us, and they instruct us. When you read the Bible, I want you to look for things that warn you, things that encourage you, and things that instruct you now in chapter 22 of luke's gospel the 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 back story is jesus is at the end of his earthly life this is happening uh, on the night of the lord's supper this is thursday night of the passion week for those of you who are familiar with the bible we just looked at the week of the passion this discussion happens right after the the last supper and right before the garden of gethsemane jesus is telling his disciples the the final things he was going to speak to them he knows he's getting ready to leave in less than 24 hours he's going to be hanging on the cross and he takes this time to do these three things that I just said we should be looking for when we read the Bible. He, he warns them, he encourages them, and he instructs them. Now, if he did that for them, he wants to do it for you. The Lord wants to warn you. See, God is our heavenly father if you've been saved. You say, well, ain't God everyone's heavenly father? No, if you read the Gospels, you'll find out Jesus told certain groups of people they were of their father, the devil. Well, that doesn't sound warm and fussy. It's not. But everything's not warm and fuzzy. There, there's up and there's down. There's good and there's bad. There, there, there's light and there's dark. And th for us who are saved, God is our heavenly father. And your father wants to warn you. He wants to encourage you. And he wants to instruct you. And the warning in this passage in, that we read is the encouragement. It's the fact uh, that, that Jesus has prayed for them and and the, the the instruction is what to do next but let's look at them one at a time let's look at the warning first in Luke twenty two thirty one. 31 look, look what our opening verse says and the Lord said Simon Simon now I love 
realizing when I read the Bible how specific the Bible is. And I want you to start realizing when you read the Bible, this is a specific book. This is a book where no words are wasted and no words are extra. The words in the Bible are very specific and, and they have a purpose for them, every word. And the Lord says Simon twice. It is a show of intimacy. Now, we don't typically call our, our, our special person, that special significant person in our life, their name twice. You know, it, it, I, I don't think that. Now, I mean, in our culture, that, that might mean trouble. I mean, if Sonia said, Cedric, Cedric, <laughs> he's probably in trouble at that point. But this is 2018, right? I mean, he, he know, you know, you probably got to hang your head then. Uh, but in, in that culture, it was a double enunciation of, of your name signified intimacy, closeness. We, we, we throw double shots at people, but we usually say stuff like sugar pie or honey bunch uh, y'all don't know good music but well let's keep moving off that i already told y'all i had to throw away my motown collection three times stop watching infomercials at four o'clock in the morning they make you buy things you have to repent of but we say stuff we use pet names for people now, i don't know what you call your significant other and some of it might not be churchy Okay, so don't holler it out right now, but just know that when Jesus said, Simon, Simon, he was letting him know, boy, I love you. He was letting him know, you, you, you my one. I, I, I care about you. This is, this is an open expression of closeness. So he was trying to, you know, set him up for, listen, listen, boy, I love you. You're my guy, but I got something to warn you about. And we need to learn how to listen to the Lord with the realization that he loves us. Now, he's not going to come up and say, Henry, Henry. But you got to learn how to hear the voice of the Lord through love. Because he's shown love for us in so many different ways. And you got to get your mind around the fact that the God of the Bible is not this mean, angry God that preachers have portrayed so long in church buildings across the world. He is a loving God, a kind God. So many people think that God is this mean, angry, old dude sitting on a throne waiting to zap us with a lightning bolt. That, that's not real because if God wanted to zap us every time we messed up, we'd just be zapped. We'd be lightning bolted out. But we need, now that's not to say that God won't correct us. He will. But we need to hear the voice of God and realize his love for us. And, and he's giving this loving advice as a warning to Simon Peter. And he says, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. So here's this warning. Say warning. That's not good news. That, that, that's like being in third period and, and having one of your friends come up and say, Hey, man, Jamal, ask me where you're going to be at the end, what, what, what bus you get on. He's asking to have you after class today. That, that, that's, when you got some bad adversary who is asking for you, that is not good news. But I want you to know that the devil is always on the lookout for who he can get. That's the bad news. Now, I'll throw some good news at you that's not in the message. You know, the Bible's a big book. That's why the Scripture says you got to eat the whole roll. The good news, the bad news, the up and the down news. But the devil sometimes will ask who he can go pick on. And sometimes God will suggest folk to the devil to who he can go pick on. Read the book of Job. In the book of Job, the Bible says, the de see, the devil's got access to heaven. The Bible says the devil was walking around in heaven talking to God. And God said, hey, have you thought about jumping on my boy Job? Now, I'd just as soon not be on God's top ten hit list. Send no devil my way. I got enough trouble with me and my children. You know, I don't, I don't need that extra heat. But sometimes God will say, hey, you know, why, why don't you go put some heat on this one? And sometimes the devil will say, hey, hey, can I go? But either way, here, here's what I want you to know. On a total side note, anything that the enemy ever does in your life, he has to have permission to do. He just can't come at you any kind of way. He has to ask, say ask. So 
Satan, Satan, Jesus said, now the devil's been asking me for you, boy. He's asking. Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. So Jesus warns Peter that the devil wants him. Now, the question that ought to be in your mind, why would the devil want Peter? Well, the reason is because the devil's mean and hateful. And the devil has a purpose. The Bible says in John 10, 10, y'all wake up. Somebody, somebody wake my son up. Uh, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the Scripture says. You, don't, you shouldn't have to be worried. Everybody's staring over there now at y'all now, wondering which one of y'all is sleeping. Ne- next time you fall asleep, I'm going to make you stand up. He's mean. No, I just believe my children need to go to bed on time where they can stay awake in church. Can anybody say amen? The whole world ought to be clapping at that right now to wake them up. But the devil has a purpose. You shouldn't wonder, why the devil always messing with me? Because that's what he does. He's me- he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to squash your joy. He wants to kill off the goodness and destroy everything that God wants to bless you with. And Peter was no exception. I want you to understand today, there are no exceptions to who the devil wants. And especially the closer you try to get with God, the more he's going to come at you. Now, that could encourage you or that could discourage you. Some people would be like, well, I'm not ever going to sell out for the Lord then because if you're saying that will put a bullseye on me, or some people would say, hey, I'll put my Superman on. I'll hide behind Jesus and charge hell with a water pistol. Anybody? That, and I want to be a frontline soldier. But Jesus is warning Peter, look, the devil is asking for you. He's desired to have you. That's bad news for Peter. But remember what Peter went on to say. Peter learned some stuff from this. In 1 Peter 5, 9, listen to what the Scripture says. Peter said, take a firm stand against him, talking about the devil, and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering you are. If other people went through it, you ought to know that you can go through it. This is something that should be able to sustain you. Some people fall apart. I can remember when I was in basic training in Fort Dix, New Jersey, in the Army. There was, there was these two kids. They cried themselves to sleep every night and whined and mu- He hates me. He hates me. And I would, they were too close to me, so I'd tell them, he doesn't hate you. It's just, everybody goes through the same stuff. It's not going to kill you. Millions of people have survived United States Army basic training. You're not special. He didn't wake up in the morning thinking about you. You, if other people, you need to look at yourself in the mirror every morning and know if other people got through it, I can get through it. Here's where you get messed up in your mind. When you really start believing the lie of the enemy, nobody's ever had it as hard as me. Sure they have. They have so many different kinds of struggle we can go through. And plenty of people have been through all kinds of different stuff. And Peter had to learn this lesson firsthand. I like learning lessons from other people. Now, I don't know if y'all seen that commercial where, where, where the dude is talking trash to the pothole. Anybody seen that commercial? There's this state farm agent says, are you, are you trash talking to pothole right now? And because he's mad because he calls a state farm agent and he's like, the mother of all potholes finally got me. He's been getting people for, for 100 years on this street. Well, if you knew that pothole was there, you shouldn't have drove into it. See, if, I, I'd rather you drive into a pothole, bend your rim, tell me about it. I'll miss that street. Amen? I, I, I learned from your lesson. But Peter is hard-headed like many of us. He had to learn lessons for himself. And he is being warned by Jesus that the devil is after you. It says, uh, put, put that verse back on the screen for me, um, verse 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have all of you to sift you like wheat. Now that verse has some peculiarities in the original language, and it even reads funny in the English. See, th- this verse was originally written in Greek, and it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to have Some translations say you. This version says all of you. And the attachment in this phrase in the Greek that attaches it to him, it's convoluted in such a way that some theologians believe it means he wants all that you are. And other uh, theologians believe he wants all of the people in this room. Because all the disciples were gathered. So Jesus is talking specifically to Simon because he calls him out by name twice, signifying an intimate conversation. 
But then he says this, this thing that's it's odd in the grammatical structure of the sentence, and that's why there's a differing opinion by different brilliant minds as to what it's really meaning. Either the devil wants all of Simon or he wants all of the people in the room. But either way, the devil's got a big appetite. The devil's got a big appetite, and I personally believe that the, because that phrase is plural, with that word you is plural, the devil has asked for you. In most translations, I read about eight different English versions of the Bible when I study verses. And if you go to blueletterbible.org, it'll list them all out for you, about 20 different versions. And you can look at the different nuances of the language because there's, when you interpret something into a different language, like if I had a Spanish interpreter interpreting for me right now, they'd have to find the best word because I'd say some jacked up stuff, some, some funky stuff. I'd talk about mama and them, grandmama and them, and they'd be thinking, how do I say that in Spanish? And they would try to put it in the best words. And sometimes there's nuance to language, and you get these different variables in these different translations. And he says, Satan has asked for you. Some say desired. Some say demanded. But the devil wants to mess up. Listen to me. Here's the warning. The devil wants to mess up. Anyone who may ever decide to follow Jesus. He don't have to mess with gangsters. He don't have to mess with real thugs. Because real, I, I, I don't understand people who come to church that are really in and out of, of that life. I had to tell a kid one time that was coming to our church uh, looking for a date. And I said, you know, we don't really do that here. Don't, don't come here. He was a 19-year-old boy coming to praying on our teenage girls. I said, look, you, you're not going to be welcome here if I see you scouting out these girls the way you are. And he told me, you won't mess with me like that, dog. I'm a real gangster. <laughs> see, everybody don't know my background. My background doesn't go well for that. But I told him, I said, yeah, real gangsters don't come to church. <laughs> when I was your age, I wasn't coming in church looking for church girls. You're trying to get church girls to do things that they may or may not do. I had my mind on girls that didn't have no church in them. So, how do we get on that? It's a spirit in the room. He wanted to have him. Listen, the, the more you decide to follow Jesus, the more you he's going to come after. Everybody that ever decides, oh, that's what it was. Everybody decides to follow Jesus, the, the devil wants to put a roadblock in your way. He doesn't have to mess with people who ain't even thinking about Jesus. They're already victims of the enemy. So if you ever are even considering coming close to the Lord, you better realize there's a warning here that is for you, say me. Because it looks like on the one hand, man, Satan wants all of Peter. No, Satan wants all of everybody that is possibly ever going to follow the Lord. So that's not just bad news for Peter. It's not just a warning for Peter. It's a warning for us all. He wants you. Why? To sift you. Say sift. Wants to sift you like wheat. Now, we don't sift wheat anymore. At least I don't. I mean, the only thing I cook is cereal. But, and I think even people who cook don't even sift wheat anymore. You buy, you know, do they make pre-sifted wheat? I don't know. Some of y'all might have one. Y'all ever seen one of them things with a the, with the steel handle and a crank on it? You put wheat in there? Well, they didn't have that back then. That's not how they sifted wheat back then. They had sifting trays, big tray screens with handles on them, and they would sift the wheat. Now, here's what Jesus is saying the devil wants to do to all of you, say me. Here's what the devil wants to do to all of us. He wants to sift us like wheat. So if you don't know how wheat gets sifted, then you can't really connect to this warning. So here's how wheat gets sifted then. Because the primary rule of interpreting Scripture is to understand it as it was written to whom it was written. What did it mean to them? Because how they sifted wheat then, I don't sift no wheat. How, how they were fishermen and farmers. I'm not a fisherman. I'm not a farmer. But what did it mean to them so we can understand what it would mean to us? Well, the way they would sift wheat, they would put the wheat into this box with a screen, with handles, and they would violently shake it back and forth and throw it up in the air and violently shake it and throw it up in the air and violently shake it and throw it. See, that's what the devil wants to do to your life. 
He wants to violently shake you and throw you up in the air. He wants to toss you and grind you and rough you up. He wants to violently shake you up. Why would they do that to wheat? Because the wind would blow off all the light pieces they called chaff, and all the dirt and stuff would fall through uh, the, that was too small to harvest. And so what stayed in the box was the wheat that they could use to cook with or to sell. But there is a sifting process that is meant for good, but whatever God wants to use for good, the devil wants to use for his purpose. What God wants to bless, the devil wants to mess with. And so Jesus says, the devil wants all of you. Why? To sift you like what? Wheat. How does that happen? Violently shaking. Being thrown up in the air. Tossed around. Thrown around. Roughed up. This is why... I'll save you some counseling time. You don't ever have to go to a counselor again and say, I don't know why my world is upside down. Because you're being sifted. I don't know why life's happening so fast. Because you're being sifted. I just feel like I'm in a hurricane. Because you're being sifted. Why? Because the devil wants to mess you up. See, this is the warning. I wonder, have you ever felt like you were being sifted? Man, if you look at one of those modern sifters, you can get that picture too. You crank that handle and spin that thing around, it's just a tumbling and banging and, and being scratched and scraped up. This is the sifting process, and I came to warn you today, the devil wants to sift you. I'll take it to another level. The devil is going to sift you. I'll take it to the real level. We've all been sifted. You might not have realized it was sifting at the time, but every upside-down experience you ever had, every tossed up and down, every thrown hard, every violent thing, everything that messed with your sanity was a sifting process, and it happens. That's the warning. Now let's look at the encouragement in verse 32. Jesus says, but. Now, but, grammatically, is, is what, type of, what type of word? Anybody know? It's a conjunction. It's tying two things together. It better be a conjunction. He said it. And so, hey, all I remember is the song. Y'all know Schoolhouse Rock. Conjunction, junction. Six of y'all watched it. Hey, when, when, when you get a warning, you ought to be like, ah. When it gets tied together with this next word, but, your ears ought to perk up. It's like if mama... Or daddy, I don't know who it is in your family. In my family, it was mama because I didn't have a daddy. But if mama says, boy, I am going to wear you out when we get home. Trouble there. If she said, but, my ears perk up. I'm, I'm looking for an alternative. I, I, that's like when a judge says, boy, I ought to give you nine years. But. I'm going to give you 10. Oh, no, there is some encouragement coming. Hey, a butt could go either way. Pay attention to the butt. But a good way, but a bad way. He said, but Jesus has an encouragement here because he just gave the warning. Now he's giving encouragement. He says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Now here's, here's the weird grammar part again, and if Listen, you don't have to learn to, to read Hebrew and Greek, but if you ever do, you'll thank God for English. Um, the, the, the difficult, it's, this you is plural again. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, if it's Peter's just looking at it the one way, man, the devil wants every aspect of me. He's coming after my health. He's coming after my finances. He's coming after my mind. He's coming after my family. Uh, or, or if you look at it in the plural form of all of us, then, then, the, then the encouragement is that Jesus has prayed for all of us. Now, look at what he's praying, that our faith may not fail. Now, I got a question for you. You don't have to agree, but I want you to think about it. If Jesus asks his father to do something for you, do you believe God will do it? Amen. I, I believe. Jesus said, I know that my father hears me, so I know I have what I have. Jesus said, I have prayed for you. Now, I personally believe he's talking about the greater plurality, not the singular plurality. And that, that's, the, that's the theological difference that I've been talking to you about. I believe he's talking about the greater plurality of all of the people following God. 
but we got promises even if he's talking about the, the singular uh, aspect of it because in Hebrews 7.25, the Bible says that he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Them is obviously plural. This is obviously talking about the greater plurality, and this is what this scripture teaches, that Jesus is always praying for us. Jesus is, uh, he ever lives to make intercession for us, the King James Version says. This version says, he always lives to make intercession for them. Now, we study the Bible a lot at Abundant Life, and we look for certain principles, ways we can understand what the Scripture is saying. Usually when the Bible says we, it's talking about who? When it says they and them, it's talking about who? This is an exception. And when he says them here, he's talking about people who follow God. He's talking about his disciples. He's talking about Christians. And this Scripture says that Jesus is always praying for us. I want you to get that in your mind. If you don't get anything else this morning, y'all fading, y'all drifting, y'all catching my son's sleep pattern. If you don't get anything else, get this. Jesus is always praying for you. He's always praying for you. You need to go through your day understanding the Lord is on my side. The Lord is praying for me. Jesus is giving this to Peter 2,000 years ago as an encouragement, and I want you to let it encourage you today and every day for the rest of your life, no matter where you're at in your sifting process, no matter how violently you're being shaken, no matter how upside down your world may seem, no matter if you're having good days, bad days, happy days, or sad days, he is always praying for you. You ought to get that in your spirit and thank God for the reality that he wants you to know because this is an encouraging word. Jesus has prayed for us. What did he pray? Put, put verse 32 back on the screen. He says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. Now, some people think that you can get in this thing and get out of this thing. Some people believe you can get saved one time, two times, three times, 57 times. Some people believe you can get saved and stop being saved. Well, the Bible says that if it were possible for you to fall away after having received knowledge of the truth, it would not be possible to renew you again. So before you go believing that folk can get saved and get unsaved, you, you, need, you need to believe the whole role because if, if the Bible says if it was possible, for them to get unsaved, they could never get saved again. See, the Bible says what God does, he does forever. What am I saying? If you get saved, you'll, you'll be saved forever. You say, well, Pastor, you believe somebody can pray a prayer when they're six years old, live like hell forever, and go to heaven anyway? No, I didn't say that. No, I believe you get saved, you'll get changed. But if you ever get saved for real, you'll stay saved for real. All right? But so a lot of people think, well, so-and-so used to be in Christ, but he left. They, they, they left, the Bible says, they went out from us because they were not part of us. For if they had been part of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. The reason they went out was to prove that they were never part of us. So the, when, when it comes to my faith failing, now my faith can falter. Anybody? My, my faith can struggle. But I know when God saved me, he saved me for real. And I got a promise of the Lord's prayer in my life. And he has prayed that my faith will not fail. You need to draw a line in the sand and say, I might fail. My, my habits might fail. My, my mouth might fail. My mind and my actions might fail. But my faith is in God forever. My faith will not fail. Because my faith is, listen, the Bible says that the covenant we have between us and God is being held together on the greater part. I can remember when, when my sons were little, and I would hold their hand as we would walk, and I would reach and grab them right like that under, uh, under their hand around their wrist. So when they let go, I still had. So when they fell, they weren't going anywhere because they weren't holding. They thought they were holding on to me, and they were doing their best to do that. But the greater reality is the covenant is held together on the part of the greater. And even if they tried to let go of me, I wouldn't let go of them. You need to know that the Lord is praying for you that your faith will not fail. So be encouraged today that, to know that no matter how much you struggle, 
no matter how much you might get sifted, no matter how much you, you might feel upside down and sideways, if you know for sure that God has saved you and put the Holy Spirit inside you, you know that God is going to hold you together. You ought to have it in your mind that I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, but I know the God that saved me is going to carry me through it. I don't know how I'm going to deal with it, but my faith is not going to fail because Jesus' prayer is specific. He said, I have prayed specifically that your faith does not fail. I said there's a warning. I said there's encouragement. Let's look at the third thing, the instruction. Jesus warns him. Then he encourages him, and then he instructs him. He said, I pray for you that your faith will not fail you. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. This word turned back in this version, uh, in other versions, it says when you're converted. And some people believe that to mean saved. That word converted doesn't mean saved there. It literally means turned back. Now, when you think about what words mean, and if you're ever going to study the Bible, you need to understand what the words mean. And when you think about what words mean, you, you'll see why one version says, when you repented. Because repentance is a change of mind that results in a change of action or a change of direction. Literally, when the Greeks would use the word repent, they had visual imagery in their language. And what repent meant was to be walking in one direction, to be confronted with some facts, and say, that's not for me, and to turn and walk in a different direction. So this is repentance. I'm walking the wrong way. I see I don't want to be here, so I walk back to the Lord. This is repentance. I'm walking down this dark alley, and I hear some people off in it. I hear, mm, I repent of that. I, I, I learned something that made me go a different direction. Okay? We need to be a repenting people. We need to be, listen, we're going to fall down, but we got to get back up. The Bible says a righteous person falls down six times. The church does a horrible job of dealing with people who have fell. Because the church wants to condemn people. The church wants to put people down. The church wants to criticize and nitpick folk. The church, and the only reason they do that, one, they're mean and hateful. Never really been saved. Or, or two, they want, to, they want to try to make themselves feel better because, well, at least, at least I ain't still doing heroin. Well, I would hope not. You know, look for any reason why. Well, well, and, 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 you know, I may be, get drunk and hoe around, but, 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 but at least I don't smoke cigarettes. You'd rather get drunk and hoe around. What, what are you thinking? Okay, but we need to understand that righteous people fall. That's what the Bible says. We're not perfect. Jesus is perfect. That's why he's our sacrifice. The Bible says that a righteous person falls down six times, even seven times. The, the teaching is you can't fall down twice without doing what? You got to get up. You got to repent of being down and get back up. The only way you could fall again is, listen, if you fall down and you just lay there, you're going to fall again. <laughs> Much less six or seven times. Now, the, Bible, the Bible says a righteous person falls six, even seven times, but one downfall is enough for the wicked. You know, a righteous person can stumble back into an old behavior, repent of that, and get back up. You know, now, I don't know about y'all, man. When, when I was unsaved, I was unsaved to the fullest. I wasn't doing all this in and out stuff. I was just in. <laughs> I, I, I was in it to win it. And that's why in Christ, I'm in it to win it. You need to understand, though, that as Christians, you will fall, but your faith doesn't fail. The instruction is when you get back up. When you repent, when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Now understand, many times, most times in Scripture, when the Bible chooses what looks like a gender-specific term, it's not gender-specific. When the Bible talks about man, many times it's not talking about male versus female. It's talking about human. Many times when the Bible says sons of God, it's not just talking about males. It's talking about children of God. And here when it says brothers, it's not just talking about men. It's talking about all of your family in Christ. So here's what the instruction is. When you get sifted, when your world is shook violently, when you're turned upside down, when, when you fail, when you fall out, when 
and, and you repent, you turn back, you go back to God, and you get standing on solid ground again, here's the instruction. Use your testimony to encourage somebody. Use your testimony to, see, your testimony is a result of the tests that you've been through. Your test is designed to build your testimony. It, I like our church. I know our church is different because I'm different and you're different. I, I know our church is, is, is different than most other churches. Most other pastors have, well, not most, but a lot of them have lived these perfect lives, grew up in very functional homes, went, you know, graduated top of their high school class, graduated top of their college class, went straight into ministry, you know, uh, you married, married the first person they slept with, still raising all their own kids, all that, you know, uh, America stuff that don't rarely happen. But I wonder if a perfect preacher like that had me or you in a counseling session, what could he really tell us? We've never been through nothing. You ever been on drugs? Nope. You ever been locked up? Nope. You ever dealt with addiction? Nope. You ever been divorced? Nope. You ever raised crazy children? Nope. I'm not really sure if I'm sitting in the right office. You go through some stuff. Here's what the scripture says. That we go through things so we can comfort others with the same comfort that we were comforted with. Listen, if you've ever come through anything successfully, God wants you to use that story to strengthen somebody else. You ever had a bad marriage and, 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 and found joy in your relationship with Christ in the midst of a bad marriage? Seek out somebody and let them know. You can still have joy. You, you, ever, you, ever, you ever lost somebody? You ever, did, were you there when mom or daddy died? You ever lost a spouse? You ever lost a child? That, devastating. I'm not telling you what I heard. I'm telling you what I know. It's what I've been through. This is my story. And, and listen, I, I, I have thought about this so much that I've come to this conclusion. I wish I had no story. I have dealt with more people who've lost spouses. Since, since my wife died, I have come across more people who have lost a spouse and had shared my story with them to encourage them. And, but then I sit and think, you know what? I just wish that wasn't part of my story. I'd rather not be able to encourage anybody. I'd rather just be able to live a perfect little, little perfect life on my own and not, not have a testimony to tell anybody about. But that's not how life works. You're going to have trials. You're going to get sifted. You're going to be violently shaken. You're going to go through some real hardship in life. Jesus is praying for you. He's praying that your faith doesn't fail and that you come out on the other side still usable for his glory. And the usability for his glory is for you to tell your story and how he helped you through it. You find somebody else who's gone through some, going through something that you've gone through, and you let them know, hey, I, you ain't alone. I've been there too. I've been there. God got me through it. You can beat that. That's why I thank God. We got people in this church that are ex everything. We got we got ex we we got people in this we got people in this church with every disease known to man. We got people in this church with hepatitis A B C D E F G H I J K H I V. We got people in this church that been in jail, been in prison, been, been married, been divorced, had multiple wives at the same. I mean, we got stories all over the place. You can find your story in this building and you can find your story in this building of how somebody turned to God in the midst of their violent shaking and God helped them and you can get some strength for your journey too I wouldn't give two cents for a perfect church uh, it doesn't exist but it blows me away these churches that put these signs up on their, on their billboards uh, no perfect people allowed I'm like, you ain't fooling us. There ain't no perfect people to begin with. What are you talking about? But, but people who act like they've never been through anything, I can't deal with them. I, I, just, I, just, I just move to the other table. I don't, I don't even play cards with them. I, just, I, cannot, I cannot deal with people who act like life's all. If, please, don't tell me, especially if anyone in your family has been in my office for counseling, and then I see you, and I say, how's it going? Don't give me that church foolishness. Oh, Pastor, I'm blessed and highly favored. The Lord is on the throne, and I'm on the head and not the tail. I was above and ever. I just sat for two hours last week and heard what you've been doing to your family. If I come up to you and say, how are you? That's what I love about old people. I love, 
That's what I love about nursing home ministry, assisted living facility. Go, go ahead. I dare you. Go ask a total stranger. Go to any assisted living facility in the country. Walk in a room on somebody up above 80 years old and say, how you doing today, Miss Ethel? Well, you opened up a can now. Miss Ethel is not going to tell you she's blessed and highly favored. Miss Ethel is going to tell you about her sciatica, her gout. She's going to tell you about her ingrown toenail. She's going to tell you about infections and smells. She's going to give you the whole roll because she ain't got time left for lying. Doc, if somebody came to you and, and said, uh, and, and you asked them, well, what are you here to see me about today? How, how, how can I help you today? Oh, I'm just blessed. You're like, you know I'm getting paid either way, right? Uh, I'm just, uh, I, you can't diagnose somebody if they won't be honest with you. Be honest about where you are. God might have a friend to put in your pocket. God might have a come-along sister for you who can come along beside you and shoulder you. That's why I told y'all, I, I don't get my theories and my, 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 my strength from songs and, and fairy tales, but sometimes things just make sense. That's why, as a church, we follow a very simple pattern of lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. Boy, it won't be long till I'm going to need somebody to lean on. That's life. People acting like they never go through anything. You ain't going to have nobody to prop you up when you do go through something because you've been faking it the whole time. The reason why some people can never come to the altar and pray is because they've been faking it for so long they, they wouldn't even know how to step out into reality and admit, I need help. I'm the first one to say, I need help. I'm the first one to let you know I got issues. I, I got as many or more issues than you do. But God loves me anyhow. God's not waiting on me to get perfect to love me. God's not waiting on you to get perfect to love you. He's praying for you. He's praying for you that your faith won't fail. He's praying for you that you'll repent. Listen, and I'm done. When you get tired of being sifted, all you have to do is repent. Here's the warning. Trouble's coming. Here's the encouragement. You get to pick how long it stays. You didn't hear me. Trouble's coming. It's up to you how long it stays. Because look at where the shift is. Look at where the change is. Follow the scripture. Study the Bible. Jesus said, I'm praying for you that your faith won't fail. Well, that's cool, but I'm still getting sifted. You didn't say nothing about praying for me to be. He didn't say, I'm praying for you that you won't get sifted. He didn't say, I'm praying for you that that screen won't scratch your nose off. He didn't say, I'm praying for you that you won't lose an arm or a leg. He didn't say, I'm praying for you that everything will go. He said, I'm praying for you that your faith won't fail. Well, you know, in, in the real, I'm thinking, you know, I sure could use some help with this sifting now. I mean, I thank God for faith, but how about this screen on my neck? I'm tired of that. Here is the real change, though. He said, when you have done something. And that doing something is turning back. He's talking to Christians. You want to get out of that sifting box? You want your world to stop being violently shook? You want to stop being tossed in a hurricane? You want to get that screen off your face? Turn back to God. You say, well, I, I've tried. Try again. Well, I, I, I'm following him as close as I know how. Follow him harder. Well, I'm doing everything I know to do. No, you're not. People tell me that. See, this is why my counseling schedule is thinned out so much because I'm just real with people. I tell them, I'm not here. My, your counselor's design is to get you back next Tuesday at 1 o'clock. That's the only thing they care about. $385 an hour, they need to see you again. And all they care about is keeping you there. All I care about is getting you fixed and gone. No one will need two, two, two sessions with anybody. If you can't figure out what's wrong with you in the first session, you ain't trying hard enough. And you ain't listening to somebody telling you the truth. People are like, I'm doing everything I know to do, Pastor Scott. How many days a week are you reading your Bible? Well... Not as much as I should. God, what does that mean? How many days a week? Three or four. Come back to me when you're reading seven. You can't help me? No, you ain't trying. You ain't doing what you know to do. That's like you go to the doctor and you, and you say, Doc, every time I do this, it hurts. What's well, a quick answer to that? Come back next week. My elbow's still hurting, Doc. You, you still acting retarded? Yeah.
you get to choose. Get out of this fake fantasy of I'm following God as best I can and turn to him with your whole heart. Christianity, this is one of the things that makes Christianity unique. Christianity is not a little dab of do your religion. This is why some people get disappointed in church, because they try Jesus. They, they, they try tithing. They try obedience. They try uh, chastity. They, they, they try integrity, but they don't go in with their whole heart. The Lord said, you'll only find me when you search for me with your whole heart. You put a little in, you just get a little bit out. But when you put everything in, when you really turn back to God, see, when you, if you ever got saved for real, the only way you got saved is you dove all in. You, you gave up totally on you and grabbed totally on to him, and, and then we drift away. We drift away, but the Lord says, turn back to me. you got to turn all the way back. And when you turn all the way back, that's when the sifting ends and your usefulness begins. See, nobody's really useful till they've been sifted. Nobody can really help anybody else till they've been through something themselves. And the Bible says, when you turn back, that then you are on your assignment this sifting has a purpose for it when but in in the new living translation verse 32 says but i have pleaded for you in prayer simon that your faith should not fail so when you have repented and turned to me again strengthen and build up your brothers punchline is simple we all get sifted life's got problems but we decide how long we stay in the box. I've said this so many times in my own mind from this pulpit, in, in my journey with Christ, I feel like I've been sifted enough. I don't like being sifted. I don't. I don't like going through tragedy so God can carry me through it so I can help somebody else. I don't. I don't like failing the Lord and then having to get back up and turn back to Him. I don't like being sifted. I truly believe I've been sifted enough. But the reality that God showed me in preparation for this message, I really don't believe I've been sifted enough until I get up out of that box and turn back to the Lord. You want to know when your sifting will end? When you get out of that box. See, we're not just pieces of wheat in a box. We're human beings with functioning legs. We can stand up and walk away and walk toward the Lord. We're all going to get sifted. You decide when your sifting is over. So many times I've thought about this message and so many times I've read this passage and thought, man, I'm, I'm ready for my sifting to end. When the reality is I wasn't. Because I didn't do what I needed to do so I could get what I wanted to get. Just get up out of that box. Stop being violently shaken and tossed around. But for that to happen, this big word, that is so avoided needs to happen. Repentance. You have to be faced with some facts that says, I don't want to walk this way anymore. I want to turn back to God. I want to turn back to God and I want to stay out of this box so I can be used by God to help somebody else. Selfish people stay in the box. Hard-headed people stay in the box unwilling to repent people stay in the box only one way to get out of the box of violently being shook and having your world tossed and that's to repent so we need to draw a line in the sand and we need to confess that enough's enough and I've had too much been going round and round and round and round and round and round too long God didn't leave you on this earth to give up on you. And every problem you've ever been through has a purpose. Every piece of pain you ever felt has a purpose. Every situation you're going through even still has a purpose. And that purpose is so that God could use you as a living epistle. 
as a story to the world, as a shining trophy of God's grace. Look at what God did in me. You ought to be able to tell somebody, yes, I've been there. Or I'm there myself. But God. You need to get a but God testimony. You need to get a but God. You need to have a transition in your life. Because if you don't, you're going to stay in that box. Scraping on that screen. Violently shook and tossed. Tumbling in a hurricane of a whirlwind of trouble. Sifting's got to happen. You decide how long you stay. I was going to have a big invitation. Get everybody who wanted to get out of the box to come and walk toward the Lord this morning. But so many times people do that emotionally. Or they do it because somebody else did it or they do it because pastor's watching. So I'm not going to ask you to get out of the box and come to this altar today. But I am going to ask you if you're willing to get out of the box and turn back to the Lord. How will I know, Pastor? How will I know if I'm really out of the box and turning back to the Lord when God is using you to strengthen and build up your brothers and sisters in Christ? When God is using you, you know at least some of me is out of this box. And your life's journey ought to be to get all of you out of that box so that you can be fully usable by the Lord. Remember Jesus in the Last Supper. He took the bread. He broke it. And he gave thanks for it. And then he used it. You got to be broken. You got to give thanks before you can be used. This breaking is in the box. My children have been spanked harder and harder and harder across their lifetime. Because... I'm going to spank them until they react. Didn't take much when they were little. Now they want to lay there and act tough. I can get my point across. Do you want to stay in the box just to prove you're so tough that you can take it? Or could you look to heaven today and say, I get it, God. I get it. I'm ready to be used by you. See, God is going to break your will so you'll choose His will for your life. And that can happen as soon as you bend your knee. Say, I surrender, Lord. I surrender. I'm not going to fight you anymore. I'm not going to hold on to my sin anymore. I'm not going to choose evil over righteousness anymore. And when you surrender, you get out of that box. And you start being used by God. You start being a blessing to people. You start encouraging and building up and adding strength to the people around you. And you realize, now I'm living versus just existing. Because until you get connected to God's purpose for your life, you're not living on the level that he created you to live on. So you choose today. Stay in the box or get out of the box. I hope you'll get out of the box. Turn back to God and let God use you to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters around you. Pray with me. God, thank you for the sifting process that causes us so much pain. Thank you for warning us that this is going to happen. Thank you for encouraging us through your prayer. Thank you for praying for me. Thank you for instructing us what you want us to do when we get out of this box. Help us, Lord, to love each other, to encourage each other, to build each other up, to never criticize, to never condemn, to never judge. Help us, God, to love you and to love each other. Thank you for the sifting process that gets all the junk off of us and makes us clean vessels that can be used in your hand. God, I pray for every person today, Lord, whose pride will not allow them to turn back to you. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would show them your love and your mercy and draw them to you. God, I pray for every unsaved person in the room, Lord, that they would seek you and call on you so that they can be saved. Help us, God, to choose your will over our will. 
Help us to get out of this sifting box, Lord, so that we can build each other up for your glory in Jesus' name. Above Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.